Welcome to this week's episode of Business Wise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian, philosopher, and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. There is no question we get asked more at YZ2S. And how do you hire great employees? And where do you find them? How do you have great personnel? We are often asked to keep an eye out for these unicorns as they pass through the enchanted forest that evidently surrounds my office. I have pondered this question greatly, and in a recent review I was doing of some of Mr. Hubbard's uh, articles on management, it suddenly came to me. I discovered the secret to having great personnel. And the answer was sitting in front of my nose the whole time. And while I sort of knew it, so many things dropped into place as to why some members seem to be surrounded with great staff and some with nothing but backstabbers and bums. Is it where they are geographically? Is it where they're looking for staff? Is it their interview and hiring process? Is it the industry that they're in? Is it their, the bonus system that they employ or how they remunerate their staff? Or maybe it's their training program. Is it that? What? is the common denominator to all of them. Well, none of the above. I'll tell you the common denominator. It's the guy or it's the gal. It's, it's them. What is a common denominator that all these poor employees over here have? Their boss. How about this happy, productive bunch over here? What do they all have in common? Their boss. In other words, the quality of personnel on any given team seems to be a function of the qualities of the guy or gal leading them. What are those qualities? Well, I can start off telling you what they aren't. It isn't a factor of their, quote, niceness, end quote, on a scale of one to 10. It's not a factor of whether they're a tyrant. I have members that are super nice guys and they have great staff. And I have members that are super nice guys and they don't have great staff. I have others who are a bit rough and they have a great staff. And of course, I have some who are pretty rough and they don't have a great staff. So it's not that. It's not their their level on the niceness scale. I'll tell you what it is. It is a function of their executive ability, how good an executive they are. The other possibility, of course, is that they have a great executive that is loyal to them. That is a variant. But the common denominator is always the same. Over a great staff is a great executive. Over a poor staff is a poor executive. Now, Mr. Hubbard made an an early study of this for obvious reasons. Uh, 1958, 27 August 1958, article of that date. And um, he describes executives there for the benefit of those uh, studying the Hubbard management system. I'll go over it with you now. He starts this article by saying, By definition, an executive is one who obtains execution of duties, programs, and actions in an organization to further the aims and purposes of that organization. So that's a very handy definition of an executive. There are several definitions. There's interesting derivations. You can certainly look it up for yourself. But this is an excellent, concise, uh, and very embraceive definition. He says, by definition, 
An executive is one who obtains execution of duties. So they're the one who's making sure that the duties are being performed in an organization by the individuals who have been assigned those duties. Programs, you know, you're always supposed to be anyway, whether you codify them or not, you're launching programs like this is our program of staff friendliness, for instance. Let's let's see if we can liven up the staff, make them a little more friendly and a little less rude with the... um, the customers, or you might have a program, uh, a marketing program of some sort, or a sales training program. So there's different programs you're always running in an organization. So an executive is a person who gets those executed. You'll notice executive and executed are obviously from the same root word. And actions in an organization. So, you know, there's actions. Okay, good. Well, you know, you go over there and answer the phone. There's an action. Okay. It's also a duty, but there's actions, you know, like Who's handling this or who's running out and, and obtaining that? And that's the executive who sees to that, right? So he says, by definition, an executive is one who obtains execution of duties, programs, and actions in an organization to further the aims and purposes of that organization. All these things need to align with the purposes and the aims of the organization. Otherwise, the executive is he's a pain in the you-know-what. You know, he's getting people to do things that are not related to the uh, aims and purposes of the organization, and then uh, they become a distraction. They can become quite destructive, factually. Now, uh, very much in the vernacular, in the business uh, jargon today, is the word hat, which was really coined by Mr. Hubbard back in the 1950s, but it's fairly prevalent today. But it basically means uh, a description of the duties and actions of a post or position in an organization. So we're going to use the word hat here. So now, uh, Mr. Harvard goes on to say in this article, basically, the work of the organization does not depend upon the executive. It depends upon his supervision. I'm going to read that again because that's a very, very important thing to distinguish, right? He says, basically, the work of the organization does not depend upon the executive. It depends upon his supervision. So, you know, you might be a phenomenon in terms of your ability to get things done and to bypass everyone and get the job done. And many entrepreneurs that I know uh, in the WISE membership are excellent at most of the functions in their organization. But that is not what the uh, work of the organization depends upon, not his, the might of his main or her main or whatever. It's not dependent upon that. It's a dependent upon their supervision of others doing it. So he says, the work of the organization depends upon its staff personnel and their performance of duties in exact compliance with their hat folders to accomplish the purposes of their posts. However, it is very difficult for staff personnel to accomplish their duties when they do not have good executives to provide overall supervision and liaison amongst posts. See, you're supervising, but you're also creating the liaison because one posts products. And functions, of course, feed to another post functions and purposes, and then they have to line up and they have to be coordinated. And uh, it's the executive who sees to all that to make sure that the customer is passed from sales to service, for instance, or to finance or whatever, and that each person picks up their uh, the ball uh, correctly and performs their duties and everybody's in a smooth cooperative effort. You can clearly see this in sports teams. You know, where they, you know, one can anticipate where the other one is going to be and make sure that the ball or the hockey puck and whatever case is in the right place at the right time for the guy to pick it up. It is Michael Jordan time. Scotty Pippen looking, looking for Michael Jordan. Michael, 
Six seconds. Five. Michael in traffic to Kerr. 15 footers. And do what he needs to do. So it's easy to see it on sports teams. A little bit, uh, perhaps, uh, you have to use a little more imaginative or oversight, perhaps, to see how this all flows. Uh, there are some really good tricks to that, by the way. I'm not going to cover it in this particular podcast, but I will uh, in a future podcast. Anyway, he goes on to say this. Therefore, it is only necessary to have a bad executive who has a poor understanding of what his work is all about to reduce morale cause turnover of personnel to impede dissemination, which of course is the marketing and sales aspect of any organization. We can use the word dissemination to impede dissemination and to lower the income of organizations. Understanding this, this is Mr. Hubbard. Now he says, understanding this, I have completed a considerable study of the subject of being an executive. There's more to it than one would ordinarily suppose. So this was 27 August, 1958. He, by necessity, is digging into this subject for the purposes of building up the organizations that he was uh, creating to forward the movement that he had launched to bring about uh, a better and improved society. Okay, so he says this, in the first place, an executive should be able to perform better every single job in the organization than the personnel performing it. How about that? That's maybe a tall order, but it's certainly worthwhile. And you can probably understand as we go on here why this is so important. He says, in the first place, an executive should be able to perform better every single job in the organization than the personnel performing it. In this way, the executive will be effective since he will know what these posts are doing. Thus, an executive is selected primarily for his knowledge of the organization. Another attribute of the executive is an ability to get along with people and to aid them to understand their duties. I'm going to read that one again because holy cow. Another attribute of the executive is an ability to get along with people and to aid them. That means to help them, to aid them to understand their duties. Uh, man, you aren't an executive if you can't help someone understand their duties. That's part of being an executive. How are they supposed to execute those duties? If you're not effective in getting them to understand what they're supposed to be doing and what those duties are. Okay, then he goes on to say, actually, I'm going to take it from the top. Another attribute of the executive is an ability to get along with people and to aid them to understand their duties, the whys and wherefores of their posts and their relationships to other posts and the communication lines which connect them. So that's all over to you as an executive. You want to understand how these guys coordinate or you want to get them in better coordination? That's up to you. They need to understand their duties. They need to understand their lines. They need to know the whys and the wherefores. Why are we answering the phone this way? And why is it so important that we uh, make sure that the room is prepared properly for the patient? And why, you know, all of this is critical. It's not just a matter of showing them the duties. The whys and the wherefores are also critical. You know, why do we secure at night uh, all these windows, for instance? Or, or why is it so important to take down all these notes when we are servicing people and why is it so important that we write letters the way we write our letters, all of these things, uh, not only do you need to express those duties and make sure the duties are understood, but also, or, or that they know how to do them, but also they understand the whys and the wherefores. That's how you build a true group. And that's up to probably the guy you look at or the, or the woman you're looking at in the mirror every morning. And, you know, if you're wondering why your staff are incompetent, well, you can start there. So he goes on to say, 
Another attribute is the ability to get something done via another person. This is quite an art. Not everybody has it. If you can't do that, if you can't get something done through somebody else, actually, Mr. Hubbard developed a whole series of drills on this to enable a person to get something done through another person. That is a vital attribute of an executive. So he says, these three attributes are easily the most important. They are followed by the other side of an executive's activities, which consist of planning, organizing, and promotion, as well as either setting up or gaining compliance with organizational policy. So here you have in a couple of sentences, basically the description of your duties as an executive. He's got the three attributes. One, you should be able to perform better any single job in the organization than the personnel performing it. Two, you should be able to get along with people and to aid them to understand their duties, the whys and wherefores of their posts and their relationships to other posts and the communication lines which connect them. Three, is the ability to get something done by another person. So these are the three most important attributes. If you have those, you're well on your way to becoming a great executive. If you don't have those, then you need to work on those things, okay? Otherwise, you're not a great executive. You're not really, by definition, an executive at all. So, But then the other points are, if you want to list them out, and it's worthwhile to know, because these are the other parts of your, your hat, basically. Planning, organizing, promotion, setting up and gaining compliance with organizational policy. So those are, that's a pretty simple thing, really, when you think about it. Those are the basic functions and hats of an executive. All right. Now, this article goes on for another six long pages. Um, and we're not going to obviously be able to cover all that in a 20, 25 minute episode, but that's your framework. That's your foundation there. And, uh, I want to read you another portion of this article. We may come back to it in another episode and cover other pieces of it, but this portion I feel is very interesting. And I want to go over it with you specifically as it applies to creating great personnel, because it gives you all the answers you need on how to have great personnel, okay? So he says, the executive looks over the post on the site of the post by going through the individual's hat and finding out whether or not it really matches up the exact duties of the post. He will find, if he is patient, that the post is quite routinely confused about his duties, and this confusion makes the duties look too big or too hard to do. Or he will discover that the post is not covering all of its duties that it is specializing in some of them. So the first thing you got to do as an executive is you got to sit down there and really look over the post. You know, what exactly is this guy doing? Where are the descriptions of the post? Is the description of the duties complete? Is it adequate? Is the person doing extraneous things that aren't related to it? Is he specializing in some aspects of it, but not the other? The only way you're going to know that, Mr. Executive, is by getting down there and really working with that person and seeing where the confusions are and what you need to sort out. That's being an executive. He says, um, this last one, the part about specializing in some of them, he says, this last is particularly true in an overburdened post. The answer to an overburdened post, which is actually overburdened, is, of course, not for the executive to take on some of the duties or try to whip up the person doing the job, but to split the hat along some natural division and put another personnel on the post in addition to the one already there. 
So, you know, okay, you're getting in there, you're digging in there and you discover, okay, this post is genuinely overburdened. I'll take on some of it. No, you now split it up. You probably need to add another personnel. Very interesting to do this, by the way, because now you start to understand how you can expand the personnel of your organization and build a thriving, growing organization instead of being stuck with four or five people. That's your organization and you can't figure out how to expand it. Go in there and do some executiving, if you will, and uh, you will discover, oh my gosh, we actually need another person in here. And that would be very viable for us because this guy's overburdened and he's not fulfilling all of the duties of that post. We need to split it up. So that's one of the benefits here. Okay, now look, listen up very carefully to this. He said, is it, it is quite interesting to study the amount of explanation and the frequency of explanation necessary to put some personnel on post and to get them to understand and execute the exact duties as stated in the hat. Now, this is where you can get really, really lost. Now, remember, this is 1958. People tended to be uh, more literate at that point, maybe a higher work ethic, certainly a lot less uh, drugs and so forth. You have far less issues than you have today in terms of hiring and training people. He's now describing the estimation of the effort required to really get someone to understand their job. He says, Personnel usually try to run a more complicated post than is necessary. It is a natural instinct to complicate something which is simple. So this is one of the factors you're dealing with. Therefore, the simplicities of the post, its purposes and goals, must be observed at all times in any smoothing or rearrangement of the post. Keep it simple. There's another S that comes after keep it simple. I'll let you figure that one out, okay? But keep it simple. Always observe what are the purposes of the post? What's the product of the post? You want this personnel to win? You need to make sure they're fully clear on these things and that they are executing their duties in alignment with those purposes and objectives and those aims, okay? So then he gives an example. For example, it took three full days in one instance to put the membership hat on a personnel. Now, the membership hat in the kind of organization Mr. Hubbard's describing is a fairly simple hat. It's not a high executive hat. It's called the membership hat. It's involved with bringing aboard members and making sure their administration is handled properly and so forth. So it's a membership hat. Okay. Not a complicated hat particularly. He says, the personnel was willing, and you will discover that nearly all personnel are, wanted to get the job done, and was perfectly happy with the routine of the job. Isn't this interesting? You're initially working with a lot of willingness. People are like, okay, I got a new job, a new lease on life. This is exciting. You know, I kind of like this place. They hired me, boy, and they must think I'm okay. And now you've got that willingness. You can blow it so easily by being a poor executive, by not having the patience and the time to make sure they really understand their duties, their purposes, and the simplicities of the post. So he goes on to say this. He says, the personnel was willing. And you will discover that nearly all personnel are wanted to get the job. Remember, nearly, not all. Okay, but it's an exception. Most are. It says you will uh, discover that nearly all personnel are wanted to get the job done and was perfectly happy with the routine of the job. But for three full days, this personnel attempted to complicate the job of membership, rearrange it or twist it about in some fashion so that it was more or less unworkable. You've probably seen this in your own experience. You know, can't why can't I get, you know, this salesperson to simply execute our 
patterns and routines that we have for this program. And it's always, you know, they've got new improvements and it's now I have a better way of doing it. And this is the way I learned from Joe Smith way back when. And, you know, I'm doing this this way and doing it that way. He said, would you quit altering it? Just do it. Answer the phone the way I'm directing it. You know, set up the room the way I'm directing you. Like, that's how we're doing it here. It's simple. Okay. Anyway. This personnel couldn't, back to Mr. Albert, this personnel could not understand the simplicity of the membership routine until an executive had spent three full working days with him. At the end of that time, it was possible to have good membership response and good membership handling. This condition continued from there on. If the executive, in this case, had simply said, well, this fellow is stupid. And if the executive had become impatient, the membership job never would have gotten done. Understand that? If you don't take this time, it to, to properly put somebody on the post. I don't care. Maybe, you know, that guy didn't work so out. So this guy's going to maybe be better. And this guy's maybe better. And this guy's maybe better. And you know what? Until you take this time to fully make sure that person is duplicating and running with that hat, it's never going to get worn. Understand that. That's part of being an executive. He says it required good uh, understanding. It required good patience. If an executive doesn't have three full days to spend putting on such a hat, or if he cannot have in the next four or five weeks, the equivalent time of those three full days, then he is never going to have a membership hat worn promptly and properly for the simple reason that the personnel available to him is the personnel available to him. I'm going to repeat that. He says he's never going to have a membership hat worn promptly and properly for the simple reason that the personnel available to him is the personnel available to him. He should not think, this is Mr. Arbor, he says, he should not think that he is going to get out of the brow of Jove. Jove was the god, the Greek, the king of the Greek gods, and from his forehead came Athena, the goddess of wisdom and warfare, right? And weaving as it happens. He should not think that he is going to get out of the brow of Jove, springing, fully armed. Perfect personnel. Athena sprang from his forehead fully armed, right? That's not going to happen. <laughs> he should not, it's not going to happen out of your forehead, okay? Or my forehead. He should not think that he is going to get out of the brow of Jove springing fully armed, perfect personnel. It is amazing the confusion of many personnel on their post, particularly on a new job. They are being asked to understand the whole working principle of the organization at one gulp. As far as they are concerned, they cannot see their role. They cannot see how they fit into the scheme of things. They cannot see where their communication lines are going or what they are supposed to do. The executive, of course, being able to understand this, nevertheless, has no license to do anything whatsoever but straighten up the post and get the hat worn straight and get the work done. That's your job, buddy. So there you go. Where are all the great staff? Potentially, they're already sitting in your organization. It's up to you to make them. Okay, I'm not saying we don't get lucky once in a very blue moon and hire some magical person who is actually themselves innately pretty good executive, trains well, studies well, you know, grasps the hover management system very early on and runs with it. That's wonderful when that happens. But you cannot just wait for that. Okay, you must learn yourself the skill of being an executive, the various basic factors that make an executive, what your duties are, and to the degree that you uh, understand and execute your duties, you will have incredible staff. It works like magic. I could, I really did, uh, you know, I, I made a comment earlier in the episode that uh, it sort of came to me 
It really did. As long as I've been doing this for almost three decades, it's been, it was an interesting revelation. I just really looked at the, the members that I have that have great personnel. I realized the common denominator. They're great executives. And, uh, and the ones that don't, they're not very good executives. And that's really the common denominator. So it starts with you, which is a great thing because now you can be totally causative over it. It doesn't matter what the economy is doing. It doesn't matter what the stats of the recent flap or, or pandemic or disaster is. It really is up to you. It's something you can be totally caused over. So good luck with this one. Uh, I hope you take it to heart. Maybe listen to it a few times and find the article yourself. I gave you the date. If you have the green volumes, it's in there. And uh, build a great organization and uh, flourish and prosper. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week's episode. Uh, please do send us your feedback, info at ycs2s.org or make a, drop a comment. Give us a like if you liked it and um, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.